Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Mr. Dollar, this is Miss Ramey, Legal Department, Britannia Casualty and Life. Oh, yeah, Miss Ramey. Thanks for calling back. I just wanted to get something straight. Uh, if a murder is executed, does his policy pay off? Well, that's an unusual question. As far as I know, yes, but we've never faced a situation. Well, put on your makeup. It's liable to happen any minute. Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Britannia Casualty and Life, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of Stuart Palmer, the man who wrote himself to death. Expense account item one, $123.42 air and miscellaneous travel expenses from Hartford to Chicago and the Cook County Jail. Well, you can make up your own mind about him, Dollar. He's like all those writers. If he isn't guilty, he's crazy. How are you, Lieutenant? Oh, hi, Markowitz. This is Mr. Dollar. Hello, how are you? He's an insurance dick. He wants to talk to Palmer. Call him out, will you? Sure thing, Lieutenant. Hey, Palmer, your mother's here. I'll see you on your way out, Dollar. Yeah, thanks a lot, Lieutenant. Here's your boy, Mr. Dollar. You'll have to talk to him through the bridge. Stuart Palmer? Yeah. My name is Dollar. Britannia Casualty and Life sent me out here. I understand you're in some difficulty. Is there anything I can do to help you? You didn't come here to help me. You came to investigate my new policy. Now, look. I, I... don't need your help or anybody else's. I paid my first premium... That's all you or the company need be concerned about. They're concerned about the fact that you're being held on suspicion of murder. That doesn't affect the policy. Have you retained counsel? That's none of your business. Thanks for the cooperation. Nice to meet friends in a strange city. You can have them, Markowitz. Thanks. Well, Dollar, lovable, isn't he? What have you got on him? Oh, not much. Some wino was killed in the Clark Street pool room. Palmer was holding one of the cues. We pulled him in with about 14 others. When are you going to release him? We're not sure. He's been in before, you know. Tell me, what's the matter with him? Who knows? He's a writer. Crime stuff. Hangs around the West Madison District a lot of the time. Calls it research. Does he still have that Kenwood address? Now, wait a sec. Uh, yeah, 5715. Well... I hope his wife is jollier than he is. Oh, Mr. Martin, I was... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were somebody else. I am. My name is Dollar. I'm an insurance investigator. Well, I'm sorry. We have all the insurance we can use. I said investigator. I want to talk to you about your husband. Oh, come in. Why do you do this to him? I know why. It's like he says. You're all after him. You don't like him because he's a genius. You don't understand him. You'll never understand now, him. Now, wait a you minute. You can try all you want to. As Stuart says, when one human being does something better than another human being, that's when they attack him. Well, go ahead. 
Look, Mrs. Palmer, I'm on your side. I'm not the police. Oh. Now, why don't you sit down? I'll explain the whole thing to you. Come on. That's better. Now, your husband took out a $100,000 life insurance policy last week. Well, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Mrs. Palmer, please. This week, your husband is arrested on suspicion of murder. There, now you see. You don't know anything about him, and already you're accusing him of the most awful thing. I am not accusing him of anything, Mrs. Palmer. I'm just trying to help. I talked with your husband a little while ago. He wasn't very cooperative. I'd hoped you would be. Well, you put him in jail, and then you expect him to be cooperative. Mm. Does he have a lawyer? Yes, of course. Mr. Martin. That's who I thought you were. Well, how does Mr. Martin feel about this? But he's been very nice. Stuart isn't worried. Stuart knows that Mr. Martin can uh, spring him any time he wants to. Mm. I see. What does your husband write? Books? Well, he used to write for the radio. But as he says, it's a very limited medium. So one morning he went to his agent and tore that contract up right in his face. And that very day he started to write his play. 140 pages. Uh-huh. With real people in every scene. He took every one of them from life. Is the play about crime? How did you know that? Well, I met your husband doing a little research in jail. Well, they put him in jail because they don't understand. As he says, they don't put a doctor to bed in a hospital because he's doing research on a dangerous disease. People don't know good from evil. That's what's wrong. They're afraid of the truth, and that's what Stuart writes. He practically lives with his subjects. Criminals? Yes, he studies them. Nobody can write believably about something unless they're familiar with it. That's the, the sacrifice he makes. You don't get to see much of him, do you? Well, his work is infinitely more important than I am. But as soon as his play is produced, we're going away together. Atlantic City, Bermuda. The manuscript has been in New York for six months now, so it it shouldn't be long before he hears. What has your husband's income been for the past six months? Well, there hasn't been much. But great art is often born of poverty. But $100,000 insurance policies aren't. Who's this man, Neil Beasley, your co-beneficiary? Co-beneficiary? Well, if you're going to sit here and be insulting, perhaps you'd better leave. Well, perhaps I'd better... Um, you mentioned an agent. What's his name? George Michaelkoff. He's in the Ingram building. Crazy. The guy is crazy. You can't do business with a guy like that. Art, he talks. Everything's got to be art. Spends his time with bums, and he calls it art. Hasn't he done anything for six months, Mr. Michaelkoff? Not with me. Well, let's face it. Not with nobody. You know, he could have been a good writer, this boy. But he was too arty, not commercial. Then boom, he's got to write a play. And where is it? Probably in the bottom drawer of Hallstein's desk. And it's going to stay there. Here's a copy. Take it along and read it. Thanks. What about this research he does? Research? Is that what he told you? I had to go down to the county jail and bail him out. Twice. That's what washed me up. Someday they're going to catch him with the goods on him. You know, maybe it started out to be research, but it ain't now. Well, how did it start? With a guy named Neil Beasley. Neil Beasley? Oh, you heard of him, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's the boy. He took Palmer under his wing, and that's where he still is. I don't know. Maybe he can't get out. Uh, Beasley came up to the office with Palmer once. What a character. Where does this Beasley hang out, do you know? Who knows? Nasty neighborhoods. Expense account, item two, 80 cents, cab fare to a nasty neighborhood. After a lot of questions and bad bourbon, I came across a character who called himself Roscoe. 
Roscoe was the walking who's who of the district. When I mentioned the name Beasley, he swallowed his drink, wiped the back of his hand over his mouth, and leaned over the table toward me. Beasley. Beasley. Let's see. Beasley. Come on, here. Here's something to stimulate your memory. Yes, of course. Beasley, Neil Beasley. Been a friend of mine for years. Slipped my mind. Getting old. Beasley was born in Cincinnati of well-to-do parents. They say he attended Harvard, but perhaps it's only a story. You know how stories start. Skip the history. Where can I find him? Any number of places. If the racetrack was open, you'd find him there, but the racetrack ain't open. There is his place of residence. Where is that? I don't know. But he must live somewhere. Obviously. What would you suggest? You familiar with the Atomic Tavern up the street? Oh, I'm a stranger in town. Peoria? No. You have the face of a Peoria salesman. I don't know. Something in the eyes. Yes, well, the Atomic Tavern up the street. Thanks, Roscoe. You never did say where you were from. Hartford, Connecticut. If you're ever in town, look me up. Four blocks away, squeezed between a delicatessen and a shoe parlor, I came upon the Atomic Tavern. It exploded just as I arrived. And stay out. That's no name to call a lady. Oh, uh, come right in, sir. Come in. Anybody with a civil tongue is welcome, sir. Thanks. Here, boys. Thank you. Neil Beasley around? Eh? Who went to him? His name is Johnny Dollar. I'm a friend of Stuart Palmer's. Eh? Well, you tell him that. He's at the back table there. All right, boys, come on. What do you have? Don't bother me. And he didn't bother me anymore. Your name Beasley? Mr. Beasley. Who are you? Mr. Dollar. What's your business, Dollar? Insurance, investigation end. Can I sit down? I'm working for a company that holds a policy on the life of Stuart Palmer. Insurance racket. I wonder how it started. I suppose somebody back in Rome bet Julius Caesar ten drachmas he wouldn't live through the 15th of March and won. What do you want with me? Well, I'm looking for somebody who'll make some sense. Maybe you're it. I understand you're Palmer's beneficiary. That's right. He's a good boy. Yeah, but he's not a good risk. The company insures a radio right. I come out here and learn he's a petty criminal. What's your problem, Dollar? Why don't you cancel the policy? Well, I will if I can. Tell me, what got him started? Well, put yourself in his place. He spends a lot of time around here learning so he can write good stuff. He writes good stuff, so good they won't buy it, so he falls back on his education. That's logical, but illegal. Oh, they'll get him. They'll get me, too. It's fate. The bumps on your head, the lines in your hands, the stars, destiny. Who can stop it? Well, that's quite a philosophy you've got. I was looking toward the front of the building. I hadn't seen him come in, but it was Stuart Palmer. He was standing at the elbow of the bar, obviously looking for his friend. When he spotted me, he started for the door. Oh, sit down, Dollar. That's my arm, Beasley. Sit down and leave him alone. The cops released him. Just leave him alone. Let go, Beasley. <laughs> By the time I got outside, he was half a block away, heading west. I knocked over several West Madison Street characters, and then it suddenly occurred to me that the only reason I was chasing him was because he was running away from me. I was 50 feet behind him when he rounded a Walgreen drugstore on the corner. For a second, I lost him. Then I saw him. 
He wasn't running. He was turned toward me. Palmer! Don't! Don't! The crowd! I bent over the newsboy just long enough to see that he was dead. And I started after Palmer again. There was no mistake about it. He wanted that policy, and he'd kill to keep it. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But first, the screen's sophisticated, caustic Mr. Belvedere, alias Clifton Webb, will swap quips with Bing Crosby on the Groner CBS show this Wednesday night. CBS cordially invites you to hear this great show that promises some of the best laughs of the season when it comes your way on most of these same CBS stations this Wednesday night. Mildred Bailey, the rocking chair lady of popular song, also will be on hand as guest star. So remember, be listening when Clifton Webb, Mildred Bailey, and Bing Crosby get together tomorrow night. Now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. I lost Palmer in the next block. If daylight had held for a little longer, maybe I could have stopped the whole thing. I looked at my watch. It was 6.05. The Hartford office was closed. I headed back for a phone in the Walgreen drugstore. I got to the corner just as the police and the person of Lieutenant Carrigan pulled up. Dollar, what the devil are you doing here? Look at that kid, Carrigan, lying there. If you hadn't let that maniac out, the boy would still be hawking his papers. Hey, wait a minute. Back off. What are you talking about? Who do you think did it? Palmer. Palmer? Are you sure? Yeah, he was shooting at me. What'd you let him out for? Oh, look, Dollar, there are laws. I told you earlier we didn't have much on him. He was clear. Well, you sure not clear on this one. Kid only had three papers left. I think you better tell me what happened, Dollar. Well, let's move away from here. Yeah. Oh, hey, folks, why don't you go home? Come on, move, huh? I don't know what there is about people. They're just glad it wasn't their kid. Well, here's the tale. I came down here to find a guy named Neil Beasley, a friend of Palmer's. Palmer showed up in the joint. When he saw me, he made a dash up the street. I took out after him, and when I got to the corner, he opened up. The kid was standing next to me. After the gunfire, I went after Palmer again. Believe me, I I wish I'd caught him. Yeah. Sergeant? Yes, Lieutenant. Put out a general on Stuart Palmer. All the dope's in my office. Yes, Why would he want to kill you? That's a $100,000 question, Lieutenant. I'll be in the drugstore. Got to make a phone call. Sandal? Yes? Sorry to bother you at home. I'm on the Palmer case out of your Hartford office. Oh, oh yes. Uh, Mr. Dollar, isn't it? That's right. Uh, how are you making out? Well, things couldn't be worse. Your only move is to cancel the policy, sir. Uh, how soon can you do that on good grounds? Well, I uh, couldn't get word from the East until tomorrow afternoon at the earliest. Well, if you can't do it tonight, just forget the whole thing. Well, I don't understand. Well, the police have put out a general alarm for the policyholder, dead or alive. And the odds are on the bad side. Oh, all right, Dollar. I'll do what I can. I'll get on the phone to Hartford as soon as I hang up. Good. I won't keep you waiting. Bye. Expense account item four. 
$1.80 cab fare back to Mrs. Palmer's apartment. On the way, I suppose I should have been worried about the $100,000 worth of policy. But that didn't seem to bother me. There was the newsboy who never knew what hit him. And there was Palmer's wife. I was going to have to tell her about it. But I knew even before I got to the apartment that she'd never believe me. I don't believe you. Of course you don't. And you don't want to. You don't want to believe anything bad about him. You want to just go on complimenting yourself on being married to the greatest man on earth. But you're way wrong. Where is he? I don't know. And you can't make me believe you. Why would he kill anybody? Well, my guess is that he's doing it for you. Oh, that's a terrible thing to say. He wouldn't do anything wrong, even for me. He took out an insurance policy that he couldn't afford. Why do you think he did that? I don't know. I never understood about business. Well, he sure got you. Some people have collie dogs, and he's got you. He comes home, pats you on the head, so you'll look up at him and tell him how wonderful he is. You know why? Because nobody else will. You just don't understand. You just don't understand at all. How long has it been since he treated you like a woman? Bought you things like candy, flowers. When was the last time he spent an evening with you? Why are you saying these things? Well, I'm trying to tell you that he failed, both as a writer and as a husband. Don't you see? He's trying to make it up to you. He wants the police to kill him so you'll collect the insurance. That's a lie. Where is he, Marion? Oh. Hello? Yes? No, he's here now. Why do you say that? No. Stuart, where are you? He hung up. Well, look who's here. I wish Palmer was as easy to find as you are. You won't find him here. Does she know where he is? No, he just phoned her and wouldn't tell her. Well, looks like a long night. Yeah, for her too. Mind if I ride back to the Madison district with you? That's quite a theory, Dollar. What happens to a guy to get him in a mess like this? I don't know. Burned too many bridges, I guess. Made a stand with his agent. Mm. Told everybody he'd show him he was right. Now he can't do it. Oh, people. I don't know. Maybe I've been in homicide too long. I used to think a lot about things like this. You know, wonder about what started these characters. What got them to the place where I'd have to go after them. No more. Their problems aren't mine. All I worry about now is how to get them without getting anybody else hurt. You've got a nice, simple job, Lieutenant Carrigan. Yeah. I was thinking of that. You want him alive? The insurance company does. I hope it works out for you. I can't take any chances. We always try to save him for a trial. But if you're right about this one, he'll come out with a gun... Those are the kind we have to stop. You know, this could turn into a very unpleasant situation. The lieutenant was kind enough to drop me at the Atomic Tavern. 
The place was empty. The sirens had frightened most of the clientele out of the precinct. All except one. He sat in the same position, at the same table, with what looked like the same glass of beer. Hello, Beasley. Mr. Beasley. I was expecting you. Sit down. Thanks. How was the insurance business? Well, sometimes we sell too much. <laughs> you know where Palmer is? Surely, always know where Palmer is. He tells me things he wouldn't tell anyone else. You may not care, Mr. Beasley, but you just made yourself an accessory to insurance fraud. Not unless I tell the police where he is. And then your company is out the hundred grand. And you're in ten. I'll tell you the truth. I don't want that money. I don't want a penny of that money. Looked good at first. He wanted to give his wife a break. Offered me ten grand to help him out. How did you help him out? Well, take right now, for instance. I could have tipped the cops twice a minute since it happened. In fact, I was supposed to. Cops would have killed him. Wife and I would have collected our money. But I can't do it. Isn't it a little late for boy scouting? No. No, not if you could talk him out of it. Where is he? No cops. No cops. Just as soon as I finish my beer. We walked down Halstead with the red streetcars rumbling by and the fruit trucks and the chicken wagons. I didn't notice the name of the street we turned west on. But a block and a half later, we stopped, two doors away from a basement barbershop. Well, that's where he is. You're crazy to go in there. Are you, uh, are you staying out here? No. No, I'm going in. <laughs> but I'm crazy, too. Really? That's why you should never listen to a guy like me. Farmer's got nothing to lose. How much do they pay you for getting killed? Come on, if you're going, let's go. Okay. Farmer. Farmer, it's Beasley. Let me in. Uh, good work, Neil. Bring him in quick. You've got a good line, Beasley. Mr. Beasley. So good, I believe it myself. What's that supposed to mean? Oh, Palmer, it's a bad deal all the way around. What do you want to do, make history? You won't go down in any books. What's got into you? You helped me lay out the whole thing. Oh, yes, it looked good, but it won't work. He's right, Palmer, it won't work. I put through a cancellation request on your policy. Uh -huh, but it hasn't gone through yet. If it had, you wouldn't have come in here. It's no good, Palmer. Even if it doesn't come through, they'll fight it in court after you're dead. We've got too much against you. How far will they get without your testimony? You aren't going to be around to give it. Well, that's no good either. If you kill me, that'll clinch it. Oh, come on. Use your head, Palmer. You've got a chance. The newsboy is only a second-degree rap. There was no premeditation. You're trying awful hard to save that company of yours 100000 bucks. Listen. Listen, there isn't a commission big enough to make me come here. All right, then why did you come? I don't know. Maybe, maybe because way back in my mind, I thought to myself, I can get to this guy. Maybe it was your wife that made me come. I just saw her, Palmer. You know, you aren't doing her any favors by getting yourself killed. She loves you too much. You can't buy a thing like that off with a hundred grand. They're coming. I didn't tip them. They must have followed us down. It doesn't make any difference how they get here. Just so they come. Well, watch it, Dollar. Stay away from me. Nobody's going to stop me now. Uh, this is what they all wanted. Like a big literary agent with the big promises. 
great play, he tells me. Yes, of the old friends. They'll cut the story out of the papers and they'll save it in the desk drawer. Poor Stu, they'll say. He could have been a good boy. Well, all right, they can save it. It's going to pay off. That's what counts. It won't pay off, and you know it. The only guy that wants it this way is you, because you haven't got the guts to go on. Harbor, we know you're in there. We'll give you 30 seconds, Palmer. I'll be right out. Palmer, it's waste, Palmer. It's for nothing. It's no use, Dollar. He's going to do it. Better lie down on the floor. Are you in there? Marion. Marion, get away from here. I want to talk to you, Stuart. Open the door. No. Come on in here. Marion, what, what are you doing here? Give me the lieutenant. Don't do it, Stuart. I don't want money that way. Wait a minute. Did they make you come in here? No, no, I wanted to go. Don't do it, Stuart. Please. Good. Goodbye, Marion. Stuart, don't go. Get down on the floor. No, Come on, no, get down. No. There's nothing you can do. Stop, Palmer. Stop. Stuart. As you know, Palmer's policy was not canceled before he died. But I'm sure that with a staff of legal geniuses employed by the Britannia Company, you'll come out all right. A soft judge gave Beasley 60 days for attempted insurance fraud. And that was it. Expense account item six, same as item one, transportation Chicago to Hartford. Expense account total, $635.24. Oh, almost forgot. (laughs) Item seven, 35 cents tip to Western Union boy. Telegram from Marion Palmer. Contents? Thought you'd like to know. Stewart's play accepted for production on Broadway. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen in the Harry M. Popkin United Artists production, D.O.A., Featured in tonight's cast were Lorene Tuttle, Larry Dobkin, Bill Boucher, Bill Gray, Jack Crucian, and Herb Butterfield. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
from Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. This is Doug Strand over at Bay State Bonding and Liability. I've got a big bonding case for you up in Boston. Well, I just started to work on a case here in Hartford, also bonded. But okay, what's the picture? Huh? How'd you know it was a picture? How did I know what was a picture? The one I'm calling about, an oil painting. Insured for a quarter of a million. It's just been stolen. Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Bay State Bonding and Liability Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of a missing masterpiece, an investigation that took place in Boston, but turned out to be no tea party. Expense account, item one, $8, mileage, Hartford to Beantown on the Charles, first stop, the Modan Art Gallery, a modest made-over brownstone in a modest business neighborhood. Oh, hello. Is Mr. Andrean Modan here? He stepped out of the office for a few moments, but perhaps I could help. I'm his daughter. Oh, I see. Uh, my name is Dollar. I'm from the insurance company. They sent me up to see what I could do for you on last night's set. Oh, that's such good news. Father has been beside himself. I know he'll be so relieved with you here. Now, uh, let's see. Uh, according to my worksheet, the painting was owned by Mr. Riddle, huh? Caesar Riddle? Yes. He's an acquaintance of ours. He's not what you'd call the archetype by any means, but he's interested in good oils, and he has a very nice collection of masters. Uh, was this village scene on loan to the gallery, or, or did Mr. Ritter want to sell it? It was a loan, and that's what makes it so terrible for Father, and for me, too. He didn't want to accept the loan, and I talked him into it. You see, it's been very difficult for Father, and I thought that hanging an important picture in the gallery would bring people in, and it did for three days, but... Oh, Father, this is Mr. Dollar. Uh, He's here to help us. He was sent by the company that insured village scene. Ah, bless you, bless you. I am so happy you are here. I hope I can help, Mr. Modan. The police, I know they do their work well, but they are so stern, unfriendly. To them, who is Pierre Boigal, the elder? And village scene, what is that? A stolen broom would annoy them so much. Uh, don't let their attitude fool you, Mr. Modan. I'm sure they're doing everything they can, Father. Yeah. Mr. Modan, I understand that nothing else was touched. Yeah, what is anything next to Pieter Bruegel? It was the only master in the gallery then, huh? I'd like to see where it was hanging. Yeah, of course. To this door. Teresa, you will wait? Yes, dear, I'll be here. Wait, Mr. Dollar. I feel I must explain the importance to me personally. Is that all right? Sure. If you think it'll help, go right ahead. Mr. Dollar, if we do not find the canvas, my gallery is gone. Everything, all my years are for nothing. Why do you say that? Because of that man, Rito. There is a, a hate between us. We have not expressed it, but it is there because... Well, you have met my daughter. You realize her great beauty. 
I have tried to protect her from this man. Now I am on my knees to him because of my carelessness. I wouldn't give up if I were you. We haven't even started on this case yet. If we fail, I will take her away from Boston and start all over again. You come this way. In this gallery, you see my life, Mr. Dollar. Many of these canvases I bring with me from Salzburg when I leave before the Anschluss. Here, here under that light is where the village scene was hanging. I, I have hung nothing more yet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Force this window, huh? Yeah. You see, it looks on the back of the property. Do you see something? No. Well, I was just wondering what I'd do with the picture if I'd stolen it. Who could I sell it to? Who'd be willing to take a chance on displaying it? Oh, I'm afraid there are a great many unscrupulous collectors in the world. There's much trade in stolen goods. And again, sometimes great masterpieces are held for ransom. For that reason, I have offered a reward of $5,000 myself. Hey, that's pretty steep for you, isn't it? What about Ritto? Ritto. What cares Ritto? To him, the canvas is nothing. I wish he was right. Well, I... I think I've seen everything I want to see here. I'm going to check in with the police, Mr. Modan. I'll... I'll let you know when we turn something up. to talk with whoever's working on the Modan burglary, officer. Here's my ID. Insurance, huh? What'd you say the beef was? M-A-U-D-A-N. Andrian Modan. Stolen painting. Call came in this morning. Modan. Oh, yeah, here it is. That'll be... Ah. Estimated value of 250000 Yeah. A picture? Yeah. I'll bet you the artist was lucky if he got a month's rent out of it. The price has gone up a hundred grand every century he's been dead. Ah, one of them old-timers. You can have him. I don't understand him. Your man is Sergeant Hines through that door, first office to the left. I'll buzz him. You're on the way. Thanks. Yeah, come on in. How are you, Dollar? You came up on the more dancing, huh? Yeah, that's right. I wanted to check in with you, find out how much I can do before you pull your rank. Ah, cut it out. <laughs> I've, I run into some touchy policemen. Not here. Well, I get my hat off that chair. Sit down. Thanks. You got a free hand as far as I'm concerned, Dollar. You not to see the old man yet, Modan? Yeah. Say, uh, what kind of a make did you get at the gallery? Nothing special. Typical window job. Heavy crowbar, no signs worth anything outside. The old boy ran a story in the papers about the picture coming to his gallery, so it's a little tough to narrow the suspects. This guy who owns it, Cesar Ritto, I've heard of him, haven't I? Yeah, a lot of people have. He made his pile during the war. There was talk of black market, but nobody could pin anything on him. Then last year, he was up before the Senate Investigation Committee. Something about buying contracts. Then he came home. What are you looking for, Dollar? Fraud charges? Well, let's be realistic. They may be easier to find than the painting. I've worked a few of these things. 
You know, the usual method is to cut the canvas out of the frame with a razor blade while it's still hanging. Rolled up, it's easy to conceal. On this job, it went frame and all, didn't it? That's what I got. But I'm thinking the other way. I got details out looking for that frame. Mm, I can dream, can I? It's faster my way. And I got tickets for South Pacific for three weeks after Easter. I did some spade work on Cesar Rito that afternoon before I went to his address. His current position was that of wholesale liquor distributor for a number of distillers that managed to keep their prices high and their quality low. His financial condition was healthy. But you don't have to be broke to be able to use $250,000. I found Riddle's residence halfway up the shady side of Beacon Hill. He hadn't made the top, but he was climbing. There was a coat of arms on the wrought iron gate and a butler, complete with cummerbund inside the front entrance. But the class stopped there. Charles, let that clown from the dress shop give him to me. When I get through with him, you can shovel him out. It's a gentleman to see Mr. Riddle, madam. Oh, Go finish the silver. I'll talk to him. Yes, madam. Hello, my name is Dollar. That's very clever, but it doesn't help. Could you be the sick friend he's been sitting up with lately? The insurance company told him I was coming up when he reported the theft of his painting. Ah, Riddow's folly, huh? You Mrs. Riddow? Not yet. I'm holding out to be a June bride. Come on in the bar, Mr. Dollar. You and me are interested in the same situation. My name is Lily Swanson. I don't know anything about art, but I got a few ideas about who's supposed to be modeling as a sap. You want a drink? No, thanks. Don't let me stop you. I had one here somewhere. Oh, here it is. Well, did you meet the museum piece? You mean Teresa Modan? Yeah, I met her. If you want to make a quick buck, take out a policy on her life. To me, she's poison. Oh, that's hard to believe. What do you mean by that? I was just looking at you. You don't have anything to worry about. Oh, haven't you heard sometimes beauty is only skin deep? I want to tell you about Caesar Riddle. He's a climber. I've been good enough for him for a long time, but now he wants refinement. Doing specialties in burlesque houses, that's one thing you don't develop. Maybe... Maybe I'd better have that drink. Yeah, I hope you do. Don't get me wrong, I'm not building up to a sob story. It's just like him waking up one morning with a big interest in art and money enough to carry it off. The right people were impressed. Now he wants that dame, and he's willing to gamble a few hundred thousand if it'll help. That's why he put that picture in that fire trap. Where do you think it is now? How should I know? The point is, he doesn't care where it is. He's protected. Another point is that I'm getting paid to care a lot where it is. Well, I can't help you there. But he's got to be taught that he can't walk over people without getting hurt himself. I'm afraid I can't help you there. Then that dame, Teresa. If you think she's worth it, tell her. He's not good enough for her. She'll get hurt. He's got no more feeling for her than he has for a new suit. He'll wear her for a while. When he gets bored, he'll go shopping for a new pattern. If she's a nice kid, she ought to be told. That's quite a pitch, Lily. Caesar. I don't mind strangers hearing things like that, but the servants might have been listening. Discipline, you know. I don't care. Wait till I write my memoirs. You're one of the rottenest mashes I've ever known, and I've known a few. Go fix your face. Sure. On the way, I might as well fix yours. I, uh, I didn't hear enough of it to find out who you are. 
Name's Dollar, insurance company. Oh, yeah. Hell, you made any progress? Yeah, general progress. I've learned that Bay State bonding and liability hired an investigator on the wrong end of this case. They should have looked you over before they issued the policy. With any kind of big company, you can depend on about 90% of that all the time. Rush things when the money's coming in, then be careful when it's too late. Tell me, what about my picture? Well, I don't think a nice, honest thief has it. Why do you say that? number of reasons. It's too hot to steal the way it was stolen. Well, what do you think happened? You're too big to be accused on a hunch. Wait till I get some facts. Then I'll talk to you about it. Right now, I want to talk about a clause in your policy that says you shouldn't move the insured property without first notifying the company. Yeah, that's right. Big companies again. They're so tied up with procedures and rules, they'd get themselves hamstrung if they tried to build a case on them. I'll find you some words in that thing that'll nullify that clause. Tell me, you think I can't? <laughs> I was afraid you'd say that. You know, you've got a good head, Mr. Riddle. Yeah. Yeah, say nothing of being a rotten masher. I don't see any reason to waste any more of each other's time, do you? You stay for a drink? Oh, no. No, thanks. I, I very seldom drink on the job. I parked my car in an alley around the corner and then went back. I found a spot opposite the Riddle place where I wouldn't be obvious and settled down to wait for him to leave. I hoped I'd planted enough doubt in his mind to make him move if he was implicated. Whatever I'd planted grew slowly because I waited a long, cold time. Night fell and I drove closer to the house. Finally, the door opened and Riddle moved a blue-black sedan out of his garage. By the time I got my car started, a coupe pulled out of the driveway. In it, I spotted the blonde head of the lady scorned, Lily Swanson. I followed her. After a few blocks, it was evident that her destination was the Mordan Gallery. I pulled up at the rear of the building. I could see a dim light burning on the ground floor. I started toward a window. Before I got to it, it happened at another one. It was a woman's scream. But when I finally got inside, the only person there was Caesar Ritto. He was still alive. The stupidity of shock on his face as he leaned against the wall under a light that had once shown up the best features of Pieta Bruegel's village scene. just a moment, we will return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But first, Wednesday nights on CBS bring you Groucho Marx, Bing Crosby, and Burns and Allen, an hour and a half of radio's top entertainment for the whole family. Bing Crosby, Burns and Allen, and Groucho Marx are heard in most of these same CBS stations. So make this wonderful Wednesday a steady date with CBS. And now, with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. So there I was. I'd been sent to Boston to find the missing village scene and found myself at the scene of attempted murder. Cesar Riddo had taken two slugs, one in his left shoulder and a grazing one in his right forearm. 
I phoned for police and ambulance, then did what I could to make Riddle comfortable. I turned up the thermostat, covered him with my coat. Who did it, Dollar? Uh, that's the question I was going to ask you. Don't you know? Must have been outside. That's right. Through the open window there. Why'd you come down here? I forgot my hat. Look, you're in no shape to try being clever. You met Teresa. Leave me alone. I want to know how your stolen painting figures into this. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I met Teresa. This is where we meet. What about the painting? It was stolen. I... Uh, I... I don't feel good, darling. I don't feel good at all. I, I don't want to talk. I feel... I feel like I'm going to pass out. And he did. After the ambulance took him away, I made a statement to the police that was not false, but lacked enough truth to save a few people from being dragged in for questioning. I headed for the blonde member of that group. Just a few words. I used up all I had earlier today. Yeah, but we got new things to talk about Such now. as? Well, the police might want more from me on that art gallery shooting. All right. Is he dead? No. Did you know I was there, or were you just guessing? I wasn't guessing. I followed you from here. Oh, I suppose that earns you a drink. Come on. Thanks. Up yourself. You said the police were there. Yeah, I had to call them. I didn't mention your being there. Why not? Because I wanted to get to you before they hauled you in. I didn't shoot them. I followed them there, but I didn't shoot them. Somebody did. There were two women there and me, and I didn't do it. Why did you follow them? Because I heard him phone that Teresa and tell her to meet him. I wanted to find out what was going on, but I didn't. I changed my mind. I didn't even stop. I was afraid I might do something crazy if I saw them together. I'd like to believe you. It's the truth. Maybe. I hope it is, because I'd like to link the shooting up with the painting... If I can't, you're going to be in bad trouble. You're pretty smart, aren't you? Things just worked out this way. You think Caesar did something with that painting for the insurance money, and you want me to help you prove it to save my own skin? No, gorgeous, no. To save the company, 250 grand. You'll never die of softening of the heart, will you? All right, what comes first? I want to hear everything you know about this deal. And while you're telling me, I want you to help me go through this house from cupola to basement. This time, I believed her story, but there still wasn't anything in it to help me. The search of the house paid off the same way. No painting, no leads, nothing. At 11 p.m., I left, looked up the Modan home address, and bearded the other point of the triangle in her den. It's terribly late, Mr. Dolly. It's after 11. Is your father here? He's upstairs in his studio. Wouldn't tomorrow morning be better? Maybe for you, but not for me. I don't want to give you all that time to get your story straight. Why'd you meet Rito at the gallery tonight? Don't say that's any of your affair. A girl has a right to meet her fiancé when and where she wishes. Fiancé? Yes. They are to be married as soon as possible. You were with him when he was shot. Why did you leave him? Because I was terrified. Caesar told me to go. He thought she was trying to kill me. Did he say it was Lily or is this your idea? Of course it was she. Who else would it be? Mr. Dollar, this situation is unpleasant enough without these insinuations from you that I don't even understand. It means nothing to you. It is a matter for the police. You have no right to meddle in our lives. You were sent here to look for village scenes. That's what I'm doing. Why are you marrying that self-styled dictator? 
because I love him. Well, that won't stay down. Nobody but Caesar Riddo could love Caesar Riddo. Right. It's because I'm tired of being a poor man's daughter. I want to get away. I finally decided what I want out of marriage. What he can give me. He's going to be a big man, a wealthy one. And I'm going to be his wife. Teresa. I'm sorry you heard that, Mr. Modern. Oh, Teresa. Stay out of his father. I've made up my mind. Go to bed. Go to bed with those words in my ear. My father, what has happened? What has that man done be to quiet, you? Be quiet, father. Teresa, wait. We will not be poor always. Go. Don't talk to me. How can this be? Suddenly, she is no longer Teresa. I didn't sleep too well that night. An all-night car line that ran past my hotel didn't help. Neither did the questions that were running around in my head. But what grew in importance was the realization that the lives of everyone who had come in contact with the village scene had been emotionally upset since I'd arrived in Boston. That is all but Caesar Ritto, who'd only been shot. My half-conscious musings didn't move me forward any, but the phone call that awakened me did. Sergeant, what's new? That fraud case you were dreaming about, it won't work. Hey, come on, it's too early for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't resist it. The picture's been returned. What? The old man Mordan didn't know where to reach you, he called us. It was returned for the reward he posted. Have you seen it? No, but if he's not worried, I'm not. I've got a lot of other burglaries. Okay, thanks for calling, I'll, I'll go right out there. sounded good until I got halfway to the gallery. Then things began to pester me. A, the painting had been stolen in the frame. B, Mordan hadn't mentioned being an artist, yet he'd been working in his studio the night before. C, Caesar Riddo knew nothing about art, collected as an affectation. And D, Mordan had been the only one to post a reward, $5,000, offered by a poor man. Then it hit me. He knew he wouldn't have to pay it. He posted the reward to divert suspicion. My hunch was that he had put the picture on ice himself. When I got to Modan's gallery, the copy Modan had made of Village Scene was there. But also, hanging next to it, was the original. You are surprised, Mr. Dollar. Yeah. Yeah, doubly, Mr. Modan. My copy is quite excellent. Do you agree? Well, I'm not an expert, Modan. It is very good, I think. I, I am pleased with it. The most important work of my career. Work of love for Teresa. Yeah, I understand. She was an ambitious girl, always. Well, that is not a fault. She is like her mother, born for good things. I could not give them to her. She's a Rito could. He's soon coming for his canvas. Well, no crime has been committed, except theoretically. You copied the original, meant to sell it, but you didn't. Maybe Rito won't press charges. Perhaps not. When he came the first time into our life, I knew. 
way he looked at her, I knew he wanted to take her away from me. Then the gifts more expensive, each one money to buy. You, you should understand, Mr. Dollar. This copy is a work of hate, too. You don't have to tell me these things. Why don't we wait till he gets here and see what he's going to do? Yeah, we wait. But I must say these things that are in my heart. To attempt a copy was wrong, and it was not wrong. To little Bruegel's village scene was nothing. He was blind. I hoped with the money I could hold the rest. But I, I waited too long. I was too late. He's taken her from me with his money. Come on, Miss Modan. I think you'd better sit down. No, come no, no. Listen. Listen. Here he has come. I, I must be strong. Show him he is no bigger than I am. Hello, Modan. Modan. Dollar. Well, well, except for a little blood, everything turned out just like it should. The insurance company will be happy. Where is my daughter? Why, she's in the car. She thought it would be better if she didn't come in. Yeah, perhaps she is right. Oh, come on, come on, Pop. I'll take good care of her. Now, come on, you you just give me my picture and we can forget. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. What's this? There's two of them. Yeah, two of them. What's the matter with you, Modan? What is the matter? In all my life, there has been no shame until now. There, you see on the wall, deceit. For that, I am ashamed. Ah, we, we can still forget it. And in your car, waiting for you, my daughter. For her, I feel the greatest shame. I give her my blessings. Modern. Hey, hey, no! My blessings. No! Drop the gun to the floor. Go over to that chair and sit down. I could do nothing else. Now it is finished. Mr. Dollar! Your father killed him. He thought he was doing it for you. No reason. Teresa, come on. Come on, pull yourself together. Stephen knew my father had made a copy and that he was going to sell the original. But he didn't care. As long as I married him, he wouldn't have done anything to father. And now Cesar's dead. My father is a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> There wasn't much left for me to do in Boston. I made the statement that caused Andre and Rodan to be booked for murder, the father who didn't know when to stop protecting his daughter. I paid a farewell visit to Teresa, the daughter who had put her father where he was by trying to help him. And I mentioned to Sergeant Hines that if he cared, it had to be Lily Swanson who had thrown those wild shots into Rito at the gallery. Expense account item two, eight dollars. Return trip to Hartford. Expense account total, sixty-eight dollars and thirty cents. And I want to go on record right now as saying that the next time anybody sends me out after a masterpiece, my expense account is going to be a masterpiece of overstatement. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and was written by Gil Dowd and Paul Dudley, with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. 
Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in the Harry M. Popkin United Artists production, D.O.A. Featured in our cast were Charles McGraw, Walter Burke, Lillian Bieff, Robert Griffin, James Nusser, Joan Banks, and Tyler McVeigh. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.